please pronounce your name correctly for me? It's Helena Knop. Now, I found you because you were a pupil of Odd Nerdrum. Did I say his name correctly? Mm-hmm. In English, it's Odd Nerdrum, yeah. <laughs> in English. Okay, fair enough. It's strange to call somebody Odd in English. Oh, but his actual name would be Odd? You would pronounce it a bit different in Norwegian, yes. Okay, that's fine. I've never met the gentleman myself. so, But I'm aware of his work because when I was in graduate school at the San Francisco Art Institute, actually one of his old pupils was in school with me, uh, Lila Carlson. Mm. So I was already aware of his work. Um, so that's why, and, and I was doing research on Norway and I was like, I want to talk to somebody who studied with him. And I found you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so my, I guess my, the first question would be your background. How did you even get to the idea of sort of being a creative person? So were your parents creative? Did you have some schooling when you were young? Like, how did you become an artist? Well, first of all, I don't think I ever thought about being an artist or a painter. I just loved to draw when I was a child, and most children do this, and then they stop at the age 9, 10, because then they want it to look something like real, not just fantasy. But for me, I didn't stop, kind of. I just kept on because I I think I kind of had a talent, if you can call it that, and people around me saw that, so I was able to just keep on what I was, what I like to do. So then I quite early just followed my what should you call it, my talent or my interests. And from I was 16, I attended a school which was mostly towards drawing, painting, sculpture, graphics, things like this. And when I was around, I think, 18 or 19, I contacted Odnergym to become a student. Well, before that, I actually was also attending. I was like kind of a, a pupil or assistant. It's more like an old-fashioned way to learn. It's not like typical academic school. I was into another artist's studio and helped him mostly with sculpture and graphics, but I also did my own things there. So then after this, I contacted Odner Jim and asked him if, if I could become a student. I was not the only one who wanted to do this, but at that time, he actually needed also. This was the night or a week before Christmas, he said, yes, but I also really need, what do you call it, an au pair or a person who can take care of our children. At that point, he had four small children. I had never, ever thought I would do this, take care of children, because I had, I had so much to do. But I said, okay, I can do this. So at the beginning, I took care of the children half the time, and then I become a student. So... I, he asked me, when can you come? Can you come on Christmas Eve? And I said, no, I can come the day after Christmas Eve. <laughs> after half a year, I was a full-time student. I was that for three years. In that days, it's a little different now, but then it was, we were three students, like a full-time student, and it meant full-time every day, seven days a week, all year round. Yeah. Wait, I'm sorry. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> seven days a week all year round that sounds like forced labor <laughs> <laughs> no it was very voluntary it was it's a, it's a what do you call it it's a lifestyle it's not it's not a normal school 
it's not normal work. It's a lifestyle and and you don't have to stay there all the time, but it's so much happening. So you feel that you don't want to miss not only the painting part of it, but also meeting all the people around it, being part of studio life. Yeah. And to, to work on your own paintings. Well, you have to understand I'm from America and in America, we don't really have this sort of master apprentice or whatever terminology you want to put to it kind of thing as our backgrounds in the arts. I personally think it's probably very beneficial. I wish I had had that opportunity because even though the one thing, and, and we'll sort of get to this too, is like the one thing I, I always worried about, about the idea of sort of a master apprentice idea was that basically like the, your name is now sort of associated with that one person for the rest of your life. And so people are always, oh, you're a so and so, you know, in the following in the studio of so and so. And so is that a little bit of pressure on you? Like either like to responsibility to your to his name and or like responsibility to sort of follow on his tradition. So like you can't say like, nope, you know what, I'm gonna do uh conceptual work now. <laughs> like, <laughs> Like, do you do you feel a pressure that you sort of need to continue on that tradition? I don't feel that at all. And it has nothing to do because I was a student of him or if people can see I have been a student of him, actually. I contacted him because I was very interested in painting classical figurative. And he was the only one I could learn from. And luckily, he was living one hour away from me. I don't feel that. It's, it's not a burden or something. It's a bear. burden. Burden. <laughs> burden. Burden. So it's actually the opposite. As It has brought me great opportunities. But it has also brought me a lot of problems, actually, also. And this has more to do... It's not private. It has more to do with the art world, how it works. Because it's kind of... Do tell. It's, it's divided into two parts. I think it's different in America. I don't think it's that political, or maybe it is. It is? Okay. It is very political. It, it. I consider it more like social political, but I believe in Europe it's more political political, hmm. like yeah. actual politics. So, like, what? So, tell me, what what kind of issues are you running into? If you take it from my country, Norway, most of the artists here are supported by the government or not most of them but a great deal like the what do you call it political correct artist which is more social left-sided modern what do you call it follow the trends you know not not classical figurative and the other part is for example a lot of students who has attended the nurgeum school who kind of have other ideals other thoughts other aspects how to what you would like to create and and yes ideals kind of and we don't actually get anything out of the government but when i say government it's like it's another it's a whole what do you call it it's a grant it's kind of a grant but it comes directly from the government it's not private grants when you are into this, it's easy for you to get another grant and another grant and another grant. If you never get it, you're you're like you're on the outside. Yeah. 
do do you apply for them even though like you sort of feel like you're the outside of it do you still be like damn it one day they're gonna give it to me <laughs> there's gonna be a, a panel of people that they're gonna be like okay fine yeah we'll just give it to her yeah. like, do you still apply <laughs> yes i actually still apply if i have the energy but if i have so much work to do with let's say a portrait commission i say okay I actually earn money on a portrait commission, not spending all these hours writing applications. So it's it depends. If I have something to apply on, I, I do apply. And, and I kind of never give up. It's maybe stupid of me because most of my colleagues, they say, why do you still apply? I, I still have an idea to change the art world, not just to accept it. Well, I mean, I've heard a lot about these these processes of uh, the the grants in the scandinavian regions in general but norway is one of the bigger supporters of it mm. i mean it it's time consuming it's tedious and and as far as like the actual process of applying but then in the end oftentimes and it, this is true everywhere it's always political in some way because it's who you know are you connected are you part of the it crowd like are you keeping up with the trends are you pushing the boundaries of things and that that's a kind of an exhausting thing like i, I to a certain extent i respect the fact that like you've chosen a thing and you're sticking with the thing and people can either like that thing or not fuck them mm, yeah and you, you feel more like I don't I don't want to please anybody. I just kind of want to please myself what I would like to create. At the end I think this is more this is this is better than always trying to fit in some place. I've tried my best not not to fit in most places, which is probably <laughs> why I, I don't fit in in most places, sadly. I mean, there is a certain amount of uh, acceptance that we all want, but, uh, you know, you only are going to bend so far before you break kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, I do figurative artwork also, and I find that doing figurative work is in and of itself, its own little like thing that a lot of people, it, it goes in and out of political favor as well. Like sometimes people love figurative work and then sometimes they don't. Like I, I think it was like two years ago, I heard that figurative was coming back into vogue and I was just like, oh, great. Mm -hmm. Now, now I don't think it is again. So still mm -hmm. kind of screwed on that. Yeah. <laughs> Your choices though, you're, you've, Having only done research online, having not seen your work in real life, you work still work in the very traditional forms, techniques, and everything like this. Like you haven't sort of upgraded and said, I'm going to do acrylics. Like you still do the thin layers of oil paints, traditional methods, and all this. Yes, I, I do mostly that. I have done, I have like uh, experimented a little bit painting on. Aluminium is this the word? Yeah, aluminium. That's quite a fun. It's nice to see how the painting comes out another way. I also was supposed to go to these fresco courses. One is in Italy and one's in Oslo. But yeah, you cannot be part of anything social today. <laughs> so I have to. I hope of doing this next year. This was my plan, actually, to go into the fresco technique because it's actually, when I paint, it's like I actually want to paint like a fresco, but I'm using the wrong technique. 
I'm painting oil and canvas. So I thought, why not just try to do the fresco? And it kind of lacks frescoes in the north. <laughs> it's more like all, all around southern Europe. It's more normal murals. But it's not so many here, so it's, I think... I would imagine the weather is a bit difficult for a fresco in Norway. Yeah, especially outdoors. <laughs> but I think indoors is no problem. Climate controlled, yes. Yeah. yeah. And something else that came up, you are a parent. And this is a conversation I've had with many artists. Like, So how, how old are your kids, if you don't mind me asking? I have three boys. There are four, seven, and ten. <laughs> I've had a lot of discussions with parents who are artists about like wh- how that affected their practice of making work, their outlook on making work, things like this. So like, did that transition from like not being a parent and being like you were saying, like 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you know, artist, mm-hmm. and that's all you were into being a parent. Did that sort of affect your either your work or your artwork or your outlook on your work in any way well i I still miss i still miss this ego ego period we can just like work whenever you want all day if you want to do it in the night you can do this it took me some years to kind of change this but then i actually saw that i was more effective when I when I knew I have only six hours now, I really have to work. Then I cannot sit and look in books or be in cafes and talk to people. I really have to work, and so I found out I could actually almost do as much work. And when it comes to the themes, I used to paint like children, babies before I got them, but I see now that that was really without any feelings. <laughs> So after I got children myself, it became more closer to what's real, the real feeling of having a child or how the child really looks like. And so I have used my children, of course, a lot, my family a lot in my paintings, especially last year. I call it the COVID-19 paintings. It's like only my children and my family are in my models, <laughs> but it's a big deal of it's big part of life and you cannot not include them into your paintings kind of so i have used them a lot uh, in my motives yes okay i don't have kids yet but i'm <laughs> in the near future planning on it I'm, I'm very interested to see how my outlook is going to change once that happens because i hear stories and i'm like hmm, that'll be interesting yeah <laughs> yeah are you a full-time artist? Is that all you do? Do you have other jobs? No, never had. Love it. I wish I had that life. Mm. That would be nice. I don't recommend it, but right now I don't have any choice anymore. I'm too old to do anything else. <laughs> I, You're younger than me, so I'm not going to, I'm not even going to get into that conversation, <laughs> but the, well, so, but you, okay, wait, so you don't recommend it. What, what's the, the difficulty that you have run into? Well, first of all, being an independent worker in that sense, you need a lot of structure and you really need to get up in the morning or at least <laughs> put some working hours. I don't think all artists are as good 
it's, it's good to, to think like this, that they just want to be creative and tell them I'm, I'm an artist. But it's a lot of work. It's like a lot of handcraft. It's a lot of physical work which needs to be done. Well, in your case, it's also a lot of marketing and promotion because you, uh, it seems like you do a lot of commission works, which that's basically what I see as like sales work, which to me is the worst part of being an artist. Mm. I hate that part. I can schmooze. I could talk somebody up. I could, I could even get the artwork into their house, but like that closing the deal of the sale, I'm so horrible at that. Yeah. I think most artists don't really like this part. Um, but we have kind of been forced to do it more and more ourselves. And I, I used to say before that those who are as really good at marketing themselves are really not that great painters or artists. So they really kind of have this part, but not the other part. And that, yes, I do, I do commissions. Before it was more opposite. I did like maybe one commission a year and I had a lot of exhibitions. But as things are now, it's you cannot really plan an exhibition. It's not easy to gather a lot of people and say, hey, come on a party, we have an opening. So and also people started to have a lot of time to, to pose and portraits they had thought of should be done is now done because they have time to, to sit for it. Oh, yeah, because your work, if you work anything like Layla did, your work takes a long time. Like, I sat for her for just a, a head portrait, mm. like, so just from the neck up. And it was, oh, my God, I have 10, 20 hours just to sit for that. And I was just like, I'm mean, don't get me wrong. I love the portrait. I still, it's still hanging in my family home, yeah. but it's like, oh my God, the hours. Like I got to know the look of her hand mm. and how she moves her hand very well. Cause I just sat there for hours <laughs> just looking at it. But I mean, it takes time. Like, I mean, you really are sort of holding on or not holding on, keeping a, a tradition of portraits. Cause like a lot of portrait quote unquote portrait painters these days, like paint from photographs or paint from digital files even these days, but not from real life. How do you feel about that? Well, first of all, you have to entertain your model because it's not that he's bored and just look at the hand. I mean, you have to, you have to talk with the person and you have to give him, you know, a glass of wine or some cakes or something which makes it nice to, to sit there for all these hours. She didn't do that for me, <laughs> but it's okay. And also, you, it's like, yes, today everything goes so fast. You can do everything fast, but you have to just kind of take the time it takes. Because at the end, this, this, the result will be much, much better. And you can do things from photo. I know I can also do things from photo, but I would lack the contact with the person. I really need to see the person. I really need to get to know him or her because a photo doesn't really show who you are. It's just a second of the person. And I need hours. <laughs> a portrait is not just the surface. It's like really trying to, it sounds tacky, but it's like bringing the soul, bringing the person, bringing the story behind the person in the portrait. So a photo cannot give you all this information. 
But then looking at your work, so you were talking about how you do exhibitions of work, but you also do commissions. So your exhibitions of, of your work seem to be more, um, I don't know how to put it, sort of um, dreamlike almost. It's just, like, Do you do that kind of work in your commissions, or is that just something you keep for yourself as sort of your fine art production? A lot of commissions I do is also the dream in a dream way, as you call it, it means that they actually have a dream or they have a story they would like to tell. So I have, I have painted people like gets into another role or it, maybe it's a mythical role or it's a very private role or, and of course, very official role, like official portraits, but that's another part. So right now I actually do a big commission with like 20 people gathered in a painting. Half of them are dead <laughs> and the other part is still alive. I kind of use Michelangelo's, the, the Kentau fight as a, what do you call it, as a backsheet of my composition. And I put them into big composition and they kind of, the alive people fight with historical people like Dante, Machiavelli, Lorenzo de' Medici, some Norwegian figures like Ibsen, Uda Krog. I'm not sure you who you, you know it, that is. I knew half those names. And this is a commission. So it's possible. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be up and down stiff looking at you. It, you can do it in many ways. And it's fun. <laughs> How do you get commissions? Like, here, I'll give you a little bit of thing. I've done three commissions in my life, and I fucking hated all of them. Mm. It was such a pain in the ass. The The clients came in. They said, oh, I love what you do. Could you please do this thing? And then by the, like, halfway through, they were basically asking me to do a fucking portrait of their dog, basically. Mm. Like, I mean, just, okay. like, nothing like what I do. Mm. And so I just said, I just sort of shut everybody down. I was like, I don't do commissions because you all have just pissed me off so much. Mm. So like, it takes a certain temperament of an artist to be mm. able to say, yes, I will do commission work because it's a, it's an art form in and of itself to be able to not only like produce something that is pleasing to you, but also pleasing to them but to work with them for that long to try to negotiate and figure out what will please both parties. That's an art form. I don't feel it. It's a, it's that bad because in the old days where actually my tradition derives from like Rembrandt teaching, they all had a lot of commissions, mostly commissions. Then they had, they did some paintings just for themselves it was very common to do this. And the only thing you have to, if you do a commission, you, you still have to have fun when you do it. You, have, you need to have an interest in You have to find a form which makes it nice to do this. If not, it will, you will see it in, in the, in the, at the end in a painting. <laughs> I know. That's my painful experiences there. Yes. No, I know what you mean when it comes to painting a dog, <laughs> for example. And it's... Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it, like for me, I'm a photographer. Mm. So like my thing is, is like everybody assumes when I say, oh, I'm a photographer. They go, oh, great. Could you do my wedding? 
I'm like, no, no, no. I I didn't say I was a wedding photographer. Mm. I said I was a photographer. Mm. And like people just make these leaps of assumption that like if you have a skill in some art form that you could just do anything like and it's like no no not at all like you as far as I can tell you do figurative and landscapes and that's pretty much it yeah but that's not just it it's a lot of things to choose from <laughs> yeah only those two things people and places mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Which is pretty much everything. I understand that. <laughs> so how do you get commissions these days? Like I wouldn't even know how to approach doing it. So are are you seeking people out? Do people seek you out? Like how does that even work? Is it all social media or is it like in-person, you know, experiences? It's mostly people who contact me because they have seen it or heard it or something somewhere else. And it kind of spreads to the grass. It's like, okay, she does portrait commissions or she just, she does commissions and then you get another one. And of course it's a little bit in social media, but mostly it's through, you know, people, they rely more than on other words or recommendations, more than just like finding someone in the, in a book kind of. I would imagine if I wanted a, a portrait done, I would want to see somebody else's portrait done. So I would imagine a lot of it would be like friend of a friend who saw the portraits in their friend's house and said, oh, I want one like that in my house kind of thing or of my family. Yeah. Well, I not just do family. I do all sorts of fields. So it's I did, for example, a portrait of a Magnus Carlsen. He's a chess player he's actually one of the best chess players in the world and he was you know he was a little Mozart he was beating grown-ups from he was seven years old and the one I did of him was definitely not a, a normal portrait it's I painted him two times he's like playing towards himself and after that of course this painting was spread a lot of around because he's a well-known person and that made people, I kind of enlightened them to see, oh, it's possible. You, you actually can do a portrait today and you can do it in a really other different way. And I guess that was a lot of social media uh, connected to social media. Well, I mean, this is the sort of the thing I, okay, uh, again, like, so I do figurative work. I feel like I'm very traditional in many ways because I, uh, people here in Europe say, oh, you're very American and you're very, mm. like, very traditional in my styles. And so, like, I run into the, like, I I think I'm progressive or, or that people should appreciate what I do. But uh, they don't seem to. Hmm. And so, like, do you run into some difficulties where people sort of want you to be more, quote unquote, progressive, sort of follow the trends and all this? And they, they try, like, if even if they commission you, they sort of try to be like, yes, we love what you do, but could you do it more in a cubist style or an Art Nouveau style kind of thing? Yeah. Or do they, or are they all just like, we like what you do, there, just do what you do? Yes, it's, both of course they ask me they think it's always like an artist should develop like you say should like move on into a new phase and you 
And I, I think I kind of move on, but it's within my own <laughs> track, kind of. <laughs> I cannot just suddenly pick another ism because an ism is it's done. <laughs> Cubism, it's it's over. It lasted you know, twenty years like other isms lasts and and I kind of understand why they say this because yeah, other art fields maybe do this, like musicians, for example. But I think I always have to be honest to my to, to myself and see: Is this really me? Can I really just jump into this? And the answer is usually no. I cannot just become an impressionist. But I can I can like touch it a little bit. I can like test it a little bit. But I think I had my younger years when I was like in a teenage, I, I tested all these things already, kind of. When I look around at artists these days, I see more and more artists that are like working in all kinds of mediums, you know, some video this, some photo this, some sculpture here, performance, you know, like just all kinds of all over the map as far as I mean. Is it, is it a generational thing? Like I feel old. I'm like, hmm. I was trained like you find something and you become a master of it. Mm. And that's your career so that you don't keep changing and adjusting and, and, and you, you know, at least dramatically. Of course, you'll grow, hopefully, mm. <laughs> quote unquote, hopefully grow. But I mean, is it a generational thing that they, they feel like that they can sort of work in many mediums? Whereas like you're close to my age, you're not the same age as me that we feel like you should sort of like find a single thing and be masterful at it? Yes, probably it is. seems like as you, as you describe it, you're supposed to do a lot of things. You should test out everything and not stick to it and then jump into another one. And you, you have so many possibilities today just to use medias. You don't really have to do it yourself. You have machines who can like print out a 3D sculpture you really don't have to sculpt it yourself. You can, you can use photographs, ready-mades. I mean, that's not new, but it's easy to find something and put it together. I can understand why they can jump in and out into something. Well, I can understand also because the, the, the speed of the art world is exponentially going faster and faster and faster and art forms such as like what you do where it could take i mean how long does a piece take for you to do like an average sized portrait well i usually work on different paintings at the same time but let's say i use between two and three months on one painting right the internet would hate you for that yeah. because you're incredibly slow <laughs> Like you, you, you would, your, your three to three months painting, you'll condense it down into a 10 second time-lapse video mm. only what three times a year. Like if, yeah. if that's your face, like that the internet will hate you for that. The social media would be like, where are you? Are you working on anything? Like, oh my God, it's so, mm. I feel this horrible stress because of the speed of the world that like I should be producing more and faster and blah, blah. but I feel like it would diminish the quality and that's a something that nags me. Does mm. it bother you? Do you even think about it? Does it matter to you at all? Do you, like, yeah, you care? I, I, have, I have discussions. Actually, I had a discussion for two days with my husband about it. He said, you know, other painters, they can just do painting in a day. 
And that's true. You, it is possible to do a painting in a day. But as I mentioned before, I think there is a quality to be not like the mainstream. And at the end, people would need to put their time and interest into things which takes a lot of time. And they would see not everybody, but some people appreciate things that takes a long time and they appreciate that the expression which comes out of it is it's also can last for a long time so it's kind of comebacks to you you use not always but sometimes you use a long time and the expression will last hopefully longer than just these 2021 my family, we have like albums upon albums of like family photos and trips. And we've even hired photographers to do like family portraits and all that. But we have one painted portrait hmm. that literally is, you know, constantly up in the home, no matter where my family has moved, it's always put up. Whereas all those photographs that we've been taking all these years, they're in albums and we don't even look at them unless somebody sort of says, Hey, what about that? And we pull it out. Hmm. But a painting of a lovely painted portrait has been prominent in our home. So like, I'm mm -hmm. all for it. I admire it and I love it, but not a lot of, it's not as common as it used to be. Is it just because it's so time consuming and expensive? I mean, is that the main reason that it's not as common from your perspective? Photographs has definitely taken over. It's something everybody can do. It's easy, accessible. Do you say that? I, I resent that. I'm a photographer. Don't say it's just easy to do. No, it's easy for everybody to grab a camera or your iPhone or whatever. It's not easy to do. I know. I, I When I want my paintings to be photographed, I ask a photographer. I don't do it myself because it, it's, it's a profession. Thank you. So that, that's not what I meant. <laughs> For a lot of people, they don't even think about it. It's possible to do it painted as well. or yeah, It's something which belongs to the past. Well, but that's the thing is like, it, it should it be in the past? Is it something uh, like, I just... I wish it wasn't, is my thing. I'm, I'm a very, again, sort of traditionalist. Mm. Like, I love a good portrait, painted portrait, but I haven't sat for a painted portrait probably in 20 years. Mm. So it's like, yeah, maybe I should again. <laughs> I don't know. To sit for it or to do it? Oh, God, no, I'm not a painter. No, 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 to sit for it. <laughs> Of course, it belonged more to the past. This was because you didn't have a camera. I mean, you had a princess painted and you sent it over to another country and asked, do you like her? Would you like to marry her? Oh, yeah, she looks fine. And then, okay. Which, of course, they were all lies. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but then a portrait really had a meaning. All right. Actually, I have a question because I'm super pedantic about these things. Like, I love presentation framing mm -hmm. what's your position on framing like so like when you finish a commission do you just finish the painting itself and then hand it over and then say do whatever you want or do you give some recommendations do you have some frames that you 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 choose to put on as part of the commission like is that part of the piece to you or is that separate before i i used to to Make the, not to make the frame myself, but I used to make, uh, get a carpenter to do it. And they were like heavy, 
broad, dark, everything. And then I, after a while, I saw that the customers, they actually get rid of the frame. And then I thought, well, then there's no point making so much effort into this part. So I started to recommend them myself and say, you, you can choose this. This would fit nice. And sometimes they just want me to do it. And I kind of find a suitable frame. I think I think a painting needs a frame. Me as well. I But I come from, again, a photography background where if it's not in a frame, it's literally just a piece of paper. Mm, yeah. So like you kind of need a frame or it's not presentable yeah. as far as I'm concerned. But again, I'm old school like that. So, mm. yeah. <laughs> so you don't do it, but you have recommendations on it though. You, you still have yes. a thing. Like, so what, what do you like? Do you like, like, like I, in my mind, I'm picturing like Rococo kind of like really something no. kind of, no, no, it's hard to find. No. If you, if I would like to have a Rococo frame, I would really have, need to have a real one, and they're so expensive. So all these look-alike golden Baroque frames, they really just kill the painting. I usually use wooden frames, very natural wood mostly. I had a, a series of paintings once, which was with the, the theme of, what is it in English? Norwegian is Björk. It's this white tree with birch. birch yeah birch trees and i actually had a birch wood framed around it with a little patina on it so it's uh, so it's more nordic kind of framing yeah but that seems very light in tone i would no, you in can, comparison to the no you can i guess you could stain it yes, yeah you could stain yes, it yeah okay that makes sense all right Back to the business of it, because I mean, part of the idea of this podcast is to try and make it so that other people who are listening can learn how to do the business. So when it comes to your production kind of thing, so like how much time do you spend in the studio? How much time do you spend getting new clients? How much time do you spend doing, I don't know, even what kind of paperwork or other kinds of stupid things you have to do in Norway to legally be able to do it? Because I'm sure you all have some interesting tax thing or business licensing stuff that I don't know anything about. I don't use so much part time on that part. <laughs> I use mostly time, my most time to paint, actually. This is actually what takes time. I'm horribly envious of it. Yes, <laughs> go on. If I had to sit down and say how much time I spend, like, you know, I could be like probably 80% of my time is doing social media, website, paperwork, chasing down, you know, applying for grants, this kind of jazz, all mm. that you know, stuff versus being in the studio. Mm. But you're saying you're in the studio, what, 80% of the time? Well, when I'm in the studio, I don't use time on social media, writing emails, all this, what do you call it? Bullshit. Desk board work. <laughs> this I do sometimes early in the morning or late in the evening. So when I'm like, when the head is working at its best, I'm in my studio. When is your head at the best? Because uh, like I find in my old age that certain times of day are better for me than others, And but it was not true 20 years ago. Mm. And so like, what's your best time of day? It's actually in the, in the morning until three o'clock. And then my head starts to be a little dizzy. And then I like to go back to the studio again 
<laughs> after dinner, like after eight, I like to go back to the studio again and and like put pick up what I was working on. Hold on. You said in the morning until three o'clock. So that means a.m. through lunchtime till 3 p.m. That's what you mean by that? A.m. p.m. Yeah, like... like... Well, like whenever you wake up until... So 3 p.m. will be 1,500. Yeah, 1,500. So that's, that's morning to you? <laughs> From morning till afternoon, if you call it that way. And you, you have three kids and you can pull off that amount of time in the studio? They go to school. Very impressive. <laughs> you have an incredibly supportive husband. Well, they attend school in kindergarten. Okay. Yeah. What does your husband do by chance? Also an artist? He's originally an architect, but he has worked into galleries. He has run his own gallery for the last, and worked for other galleries the last 10 years. Right now, he's a little towards architecture again, but he envies my work. So he actually just wants to have the lifestyle as, as I have, but it's, it's a little difficult if we both had this lifestyle. It's, yeah. Well, it is. Okay. Well, that also is an interesting thing. So like, is, are your commissions slash sales of works and exhibitions consistent or is it incredibly sort of up and down the way that most of us are? It is, it's of course up and down, but I think my strength is that I always keep, I always keep a deadline. And if I don't have a deadline, I make my own deadlines, kind of. So I kind of force myself to have work all the time. And I also love to work. That's another thing. I, I love my work a lot. I actually want to do it. Having children is nice, but I mean, if I didn't have them, <laughs> I could do much more. <laughs> You have a studio too. Like I, I've seen pictures of it. Is that, is that in your home or is this a physical separate studio? No, it's a separate studio. Right now I just moved my studio, but yeah. So I have a view over the ocean, the Oslo Fjord, in my next studio, which is nice. Of course it is. Yeah. Incredibly. Like you're living the lifestyle. <laughs> now you now the, the cafes just need to open and you can start smoking cigarettes and hanging out of the cafes. The right? cafes are open, but the cigarettes will never open again. It's a rule you cannot. But maybe where you live, you can still no. <laughs> no, no, not indoors. I know. I, I I used to be a smoker, and I I moved to the Czech Republic because I was like, oh great, they allow smoking. This is fabulous. I can smoke indoors again. And literally within six months of me moving here, they outlaw smoking. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> Anyways, all right. So let's finish this up. Uh, two last questions that I ask everybody, which is, do you, are there any artists that you're looking at, that the contemporary workers that are inspiring you or that you're interested in what they're doing? I, I must, of course, say Odnojim, which used to be my master. He still, he still fascinates me. He does that because he has an enormous, what do you call it, an endless themes to paint from. And he actually, his techniques changes. He's not like the constant. So that's nice to see. Other contemporary, I would say maybe just my colleagues all around. Any particular names? 
I don't think I want to put somebody out of others or like compare them, but I, I don't remember all the names now, but I must say when I look at the gallery called, I think it's Arcadia Gallery. I think it's based, is it in New York or Los Angeles? When I see the painters who are exhibiting there, they're really fascinating. It's a way other paint way to paint than I do. It's much more, what do you call it? French academism, uh, academy style. It's very fine. It's derives from more like classicism older back in time. So it's much more smoother, more perfect. And it's a little surrealistic. It's a lot of works uh, from the States, which is always have a part of this surrealistic way, which is it's nice to look at. Yeah. So I would say this group of painters is something I, I spend a little longer time to look at. Yeah. All right. We'll take that as two people then. <laughs> so last thing is just some advice um, from your own experiences that you might give to the next generation of artists that want to get into doing the kind of work let's say that you do i mean and part of it is, is it's not just like advice like hey do this by the way try to be specific don't be like follow your passion mm. like that's stupid <laughs> try to be specific but also things to, like mistakes maybe that you made mm. some things not to do mm. uh to stay away from that are not useful but you thought they were useful yeah i see well, I would advise young people to to really find good teachers. Where do you really want to learn your handcraft? Because what you do when you're young, you are like sucking information, and this you can easily suck information more than you, when you're grown up. And if you choose your right right teachers, you can actually learn his or her handcraft. And I would also say be very Structure, be have a structure on your work. Like, don't think that it will come by itself. It needs a, many hours to physically paint. And not just paint, you need to also know how to draw. The drawing is always behind the painting. And don't be afraid to, to copy if it's other paintings or painters in the beginning, because when you're young, you don't maybe have so many stories yourself to tell. You kind of have to borrow stories. Or you can choose, like, for example, something from the biblical story or the mythological stories or just something which you're interested in. And try to, I wouldn't say find your own expression, but see what fits your personality. And this is by like going, we talked a little bit by isms. If you kind of test the isms or the different ways to, to paint surfaces, you kind of at the end find what, what you really like to do. Thank you very much for your time. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and that's it. We're done. I hope you are enjoying and learning from these conversations as much as I am. If you like the podcast, we would appreciate a five-star rating and a nice comment would be greatly appreciated as well. We'll even take a critical comment too. Please tell your friends to listen and subscribe also. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
We are produced by 5014. I am your host, Matthew Doles. And for more information about the podcast and our guests, please visit our website at wisefoolpod.com. The Wise Fool is supported in part by an EEA grant from Iceland, Liechtenstein, and Norway in an effort to work together for a green, competitive, and inclusive Europe. We would also like to thank our partners Hunt Kastner in Prague, Czech Republic, and Kunst Centrene i Norge in Norway. Links to EEA grants and our partner organizations are available in the show notes or on our website, wisefoolpod.com. Mm-hmm.